All right, you may be seated. If you uh, have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. Uh, we'll be getting to that here in a minute. And um, what, a, what a great day to worship the Lord and grow in God's Word. Amen. Like uh, we are in a series we started several weeks ago named, uh, called The Names of God. And we set out with the goal uh, to get to know more about God in order that we may grow closer to God in our everyday walk with Him. So the goal of this series, as we make a transition from the old building to this building, in between this time, is the same. That we may know God and grow closer to Him in our walk. So a good question for us to ask is, am I closer to God today than I was last week? Am I closer to God than I was a year ago, or two years ago, or five years ago? And memories and memorials are always a good thing to have and, it remember, and to remember because it forces us to meditate and to think about certain things as we, as we go through life. And as we transition out of the old building and into this new building, it was a great time to ask, our question, uh, ask this question about our walk with God. When I started coming or joined Petra, am I closer to God now than I was then? Or am I closer to God now than I was then? Is your walk with God closer than the first day you started coming to Petra? And if you cannot say yes, then what a great time to commit your heart and your walk and your life to do whatever it takes to grow in your walk with God. That in 10 years from now, that you could say, I am closer to God today than I'm when I was when we first started in the new building 10 years ago. Most of you know that Aaron and I have three kids, Tucker, Tanner, and Courtney. And uh, it's quite amazing how fast time really flies. I mean, it just flies by. Tucker, who's a senior in high school, this year just finished up playing his high school football career this last Friday night. I know what you're thinking. I don't look old enough to have a senior in high school. <laughs> I get that a lot, of course. But after watching him play now for over 10 years, it was a sobering reminder when he walked off the field for the last time how fast time really flies. And you don't even realize it. I mean, how fast it goes by. And, and you look back at the old pictures and you look and say, wow, look how dark my hair was. And <laughs> look how thin I was. Well, I might not say that. But anyway, that's the good part about being fat your whole life is... When you look back at your pictures, you never say, wow, he's put on a lot of weight. They just say, he's been as fat as he ever was. <laughs> That's a good thing. Trust me. That's why I don't lose any weight. I don't want anybody to think that I was fat at some time. But anyhow, if you think about it, during all the times of the practices, the games, the time that I spent out there on the field with him, the busyness of playing sports, some of you parents may be going through that right now, and you ask yourself, did we stop enough? just to embrace it, just to enjoy it, just to say, hey, we had a kid in our home that played football and look at it. Now it's gone. Did we enjoy it? Did we embrace it like we should have? And you know, by the way, if you have young kids, you feel like it's never going to end, right? The diapers are never going to stop. The, you know, going, needing 24-hour assistance. They get teenagers, they drop down to 22. But anyhow, you got, still got 24 hours you think, man, are we always going to have to take car seats with us and strollers and diaper bags? And you just, you just kind of trudge through and go through the motions. 
Sometimes we need to stop, slow down, and make sure we enjoy it because soon it's going to change. It's going to change whether you like it or not. And when it changes, the question is, did you really take the time to enjoy it? Did you take the time to invest in it? Did you take the time to enjoy those things in life? Did you evaluate it? Did you make sure you're keeping the main things the main things? I love Tucker. I wanted him to be a great football player. But more than any compliment someone could give him about football was everyone said he's a, he's a good boy. He is a respectful young man. He does the things that we ask him to do. And to me, as a parent, that's greater than hearing he's just good at a sport or good at something else. And really, you got to evaluate, am I investing in the right things? Am I investing in the things that are making a difference? Same is true with your relationship with God. You go through the motions. You go to church. You're busy and you have a million things to do. Your family pulls you in all different directions on Sundays. You have a thousand things you got to do to get back to work on Monday, to go through the sprint to Friday, to get to Saturday, to catch up with all the other things. But the question is, do you take time out and, and really pursue God? Do you really take the time to say, I'm stepping away to be sure I'm keeping the main thing the main thing? That my family, my marriage, my kids, are we growing closer to God? Because if we're not, we got to stop and ask ourselves, because before you know it, time will be gone. We're going to be transitioning. We're going to be moving into other things, and in your life, it's going to change. So during this series, and maybe even during this, even this morning, you need to call a timeout. Just call a timeout from thinking about everything you got to do tomorrow, and at work, and the next day, and everything you got to do with your children, and just say, just say, timeout, God. This morning, I just want to ask myself and you, am I growing closer to you? Or am I going through the motions? Am I going through the motions? Am I stagnant in my walk with the Lord? Because the fact of the matter is either you're getting closer to God or you're moving further away from God. You never get to stand still in your relationship with the Lord. And for us in this series, to know someone is to first and foremost know their name. If you were to meet me, the first thing we would exchange is probably our names. And when you know someone's name, you kind of can identify them. And as you identify them, you start gathering information about them. Maybe if you're one of those social media people, you go look them up on Facebook, right? Or you go look them up on Instagram. You go look her up on those things. And you identify them. You gather information about them. Then you begin to grow closer to them by, by sharing experience with them. But first, it begins with a name. Well, God... He's so awesome, and God is so wonderful that one name's not sufficient for him. There's not one name that we can give that can contain the character and the, and the sufficiency of who God is in his glory. So the Bible reveals to us several names of God. There are several names in the Bible that is used in the Hebrew and the Greek that describes God and his character and who he is and his deity. And every one of them gives us another key part of information about the character and the goodness of God. First week, we started with the name Elohim. God is the creator and the purpose of all things. God spoke this world into existence. He is the creator of all things. We did not morph into something from a big blob of mass, right? God spoke and it was created by Elohim. He spoke this world into existence. 
And when we look to the world, we see a God who's the creator of all things. That's why in Romans it says that no one will be held blameless. Because when you look to the creation, it begs the answer, there is a God. There is Elohim. He is the one who created it all. Then we move to the name of Adonai. Adonai means God is the master of all. Not only did God create it all, but God is ruler of all. He is the master of all things. Adonai holds all things in his hands. And we also said he's got the whole world in his hands. And listen, no matter what we face in life or what goes through this world or what goes on in this country, God is high and lifted up. He is seated on his throne and he is Adonai. He is, he is, he is on the throne of all eternity. He is master and ruler of all. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing overwhelms God. Nothing comes outside of his control. He is in control. He is Adonai. He is master. As we studied those first two names, we looked at a few examples of Isaiah. And we looked at an example of Abram. And we looked at an example of looking at the creation of Adam and Eve as well. God is the creator. He is the ruler. He's the master of all. And now this morning... I want to introduce to you the very personal and power name of God and powerful name of God, Jehovah. Jehovah. And without question, the name Jehovah is the most frequently used name of God in the Bible. It's, it's found in the Old Testament thousands of times in our English version of the Bible. It's easy to identify because it's all capitals. L-O-R-D. All capitals. When you see the name Lord in all capitals... That is a representation of the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is an English word, Jehovah. Yahweh, Jehovah. When the scribes would get to this name, they wouldn't even finish the name. They wouldn't put any vowels in it. They would, they would even uh, take the pen and throw it away and start with a new pen because the name was so holy. It was so personal. It is Jehovah. It is Yahweh. He is Lord, all capitals, L-O-R-D. It literally means I am. I am who I am. It literally means the self-existent one. The one who needs no help. The one who is able. The one who can do anything and everything that he wills. Think about that. He doesn't have to be propped up. He doesn't have to call on help. He doesn't need anything or he doesn't have to call on anyone else's authority or power. He is Jehovah. He is I am. End of story. You know, back in the day, they used to have bumper stickers and say, well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, you could take the I believe it part out because when Jehovah says it, that settles it. Right. I mean, he is I am. He is sufficient. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. He is God. And he is Jehovah. And he is the I am. And he is the one who's self-existent. He doesn't need you or me or a president or a country or a nation. The world can keep going because Jehovah is God. He's a self-existent one. He needs no help. You think about it. When I was growing up, certain names would strike fear into people. I remember growing up as a boxing fan. One of my fighters that came along during that time was a guy named Mike Tyson. And boy, was he a bad dude. When he came into the ring, people would strike fear into those against him, even though he had a squeaky little voice. <laughs> it's pretty ironic, isn't it? 
One of the baddest dudes on the planet talked like, you know, a squeaky little voice, <laughs> which was always kind of funny. But even as bad as he was, I remember thinking, watching him saying, no one will ever defeat him. He is awesome. He, he is one of those people that will defeat anyone. And a guy named Buster Douglas got in a ring with him. And Buster Douglas was a nobody and took him down and beat him and beat Iron Mike. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jehovah, Yahweh, he says who he is. And he says who he is, and he is who he says, and he has never once been defeated, ever. He is I am, he is self-existent, there's not one thing or one person or one nation, not even the devil himself has ever overtaken him or surprised him, overcome him, nothing ever. Not one thing could ever overcome the great I am, and that's who we serve. We serve the God who is the great I am. We serve the God who needs no propping up, who needs no political party, who needs no nation, who needs no, nothing other than himself. He's the great I am, undefeated, never been defeated, never taken by surprise, never been overtaken, ever, ever, ever. I'll show you from Scripture an example. We told you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. This is a great example where God reveals himself as Jehovah to Moses. You remember the story of Moses? He was called to be the deliverer of God. He ran ahead of himself. And he took things into his own hands. And we all know what happens when we take things in our own hands, right? You don't want to be too late with God and you don't want to be too early with God, right? You don't want to do things run ahead of God. And he ran ahead of God. He took out his anger. And he, he, he took defense to one of his countrymen that was being punished. And he took a man's life. And Moses had to flee to the backside of a mountain. He had to flee to his, uh, his father-in-law's uh, place where he found, a, he found a wife there. And there he was in chapter 3 when we opened up verse 1. It says he was tending flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now you think about a burning bush would be pretty rare, but in those days, bushes would spontaneously combust because of the heat. Now, if you'd ever been to Arizona, you probably wouldn't believe that. But if you've lived in Arizona, been in Arizona, the bushes can spontaneously uh, 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 combust. And so apparently it happened before, but he looked at it and he saw that the bush was not being consumed. It just kept on burning. So then Moses looked and he said, wow, I, I turned aside to see this great sight. Why does the bush not burn? Or why does the bush not falling? Verse four. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called, from him, called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So God calls from the bush and he says, here I am, uh, God, Moses, Moses, here I am. And look at verse 5, he said to him, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off for your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And if you think about it for us, how much do we revere the name of God? It begins with reverence. It begins with understanding that God is powerful. God is awesome. God is full of power. And, and God looked at him and said, listen, before you even draw near to me, take your sandals off. Take your shoes off for where you stand is holy ground. That where God is, he is holy. 
And it's a great reminder that we don't bring God down to our level, we should go up to God's level. That we don't bring God down to our level, and we don't bring His deity down to us, but yet we should honor and revere Him and go to His level. That we should honor Him, we should revere Him, that we should have a reverence in our heart for the name of God and who He is. Let me tell you, you're never going to draw close to God if you don't have a reverence for Him. If you use His name and you understand who He is and you use it casually and you use it without reverence in your heart, you're never going to grow as close as you should. Moses is standing there and God's setting the ground rules. Listen, you be reverent. You be humble. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. In verse 6, he says, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Here he was, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of the covenant. And Moses knew, and he hid his face. He was afraid of God because of reverence in his heart and maybe a little bit of shame in his heart. It had been 40 years since he probably had heard the voice of God. And all of a sudden, here was God talking to him through a burning bush, and Moses struck fear in his heart because he was probably a little shameful and a little afraid to look upon God. And some of us, sometimes we think we've messed up so great that God doesn't want to use us anymore. Here's a great example of that God uses people who's messed up before. Matter of fact, I challenge you to read through the Bible and find someone that didn't mess up that God, that God used. I mean, every one of them are full of blunders. Every one of them are full of mistakes. And a lot of times in our life, we feel like if we made a mistake or we, or we failed at a marriage or we failed at a relationship or we failed at some sort of thing in our life that God won't use us no more. But that's not true. God uses us. God uses those who are broken. God uses those who are messed up. And even though Moses might have been afraid and Moses might have had shame, God was still calling on Moses. He's saying, Moses, Moses, I'm here. I want you to understand what I want to do with your life. Look at verse 7. It said, The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. Talking about the nation of Israel that was under bondage of Egypt. He said, I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from the land that good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And there was no termites. Sorry, in that one, all right? <laughs> That's a whole lot of ites. <laughs> now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. Think about that. I'm going to send you, Moses. I'm going to send you who messed up. I'm going to send you who's hiding on the backside of a mountain. I'm going to send you to go get my people and face down the strongest person and the most powerful person in the universe at that time other than God was Pharaoh. But I'm going to send you to go get my people. Look what Moses said to God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know what he said? You made a mistake. God, it's not me. Who am I? I? I won't be able to do this. Why did you? Why are you calling upon me? And verse 12 says, so he said, I certainly will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you that when you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I've come to the children of Israel, say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So Moses is saying, hey, when I go, they know I failed before. 
And they know that I'm not part of the covenant that you had with your people because I'm a failure. Who, who should I say sent me? Who should I say? What's your name? Verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. There's the name Jehovah, Yahweh. And he said, this you shall say to the children of Israel, I am or Jehovah has sent me to you. Man, think about that. God says, you go, I'll be with you. And you tell him, I am who I am. And I am Jehovah. And I promise you, not one person can stand before you. And not one person will ever overcome you because of me. Think about it in our hearts and our lives. How does that apply to us today, living out our calling? Well, God's called you to do something. Talked about this a little bit in week one. God has created you, but he has a purpose for you as well. And in that purpose, you can't do it alone. God will call you to do something that's better, greater or stronger than you can do in your own strength and power. And when you call by the name of Jehovah, he says, I am able. And when you go in my name and submit to who I am, then you'll be able to do it. Because everyone will look and say, who sent you? Who gave you the power? And it's Jehovah, the God who is able. So now, many times... I've shared some stories of failures in my church, uh, in this church that God has called me to do. No clue what I was doing. Don't say so many amens at that one, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Told the story a couple of weeks ago. Miss Kay was here. She wasn't here. I don't know if she heard it or not, but when we first baptized, I got the baptistry back there and I said, ah, we don't really need a heater in the baptistry. Oh. Her being the first one down, she looked at me, she goes, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord of mercy. <laughs> oh, I can think of the things that I've said, things that I've done. First got married and made a few jokes about Aaron. Boy, that was tough. Whoa. That was a tough one to learn. All the heartaches and the pains and the stuff that you go through. And I look, and sometimes I throw my hands up and say, God, I know I can't do it. And he always says, you're right, you can't. But I sent you. And I'm Jehovah. And if I sent you, I am who I say I am, and I will use you, and I will take you and do things with you that no one else can do through you. And listen, in your life, God's going to call you to do something greater than yourself. Maybe it's just being a good father and being a spiritual leader of your home. Maybe you just might say, you know what, I can't do it. I can't pray. I can't, I can't lead my kids in the things of God you can with Jehovah. Maybe it's to be a, a wife and a mother uh, who shares Christ with their kids because you're the only Christian in your home. And you think, you know what? I can't do it, God. Why can't I have someone that can help me? Why can't I have someone that come along beside me? You do. He's there with you. It's Jehovah. He's the God who is, says he is, he is who he is. And he says he's called you to do it. He will empower you to do it. And when God calls you to do something, he's Jehovah. He is the I am. And he walks with you. Look what he tells Moses. He says, I'm going to be with you. Man, what a promise that we have with God. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And when he calls us to do something, he's going to empower us to do it. And we call upon the name of the great I am. Man, I'm hoping and I'm praying that in this church, God calls people to do a great work for him. Listen, God hasn't brought us this far just to leave us now. God has brought us this far so we can continue. He can grow and he can call people. And we can, we can serve children and we can serve teenagers and we can serve this community. And listen, we have a lot of great things in this community. There's a lot of great people in this community. There's a lot of great resources in this community. But more than anything else, this community needs God. 
It needs the message of Christ. It needs kids to learn about Jesus. It needs teenagers to learn about Christ. It needs marriages to be healed. It needs homes to be put back together. And there's only one person who can do that. It's Jehovah. And when Jehovah calls us, he's the great I am for you and for me, like Moses, we need to say, here I am, Lord. I can't do it on my own, but I'm trusting in you because you're the great I am and you can do it through me. You think about it too, when we go through hard times and we're struggling, serving God's not a cakewalk. You know, there was a time when I heard people say, you know, when you serve the Lord, everything's going great. You'll have, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You ever heard that? Serve God and you'll never have any troubles and never have any trials. How did that work out for you? Didn't work out too good for me. Didn't work out too good for the disciples. Didn't work out too good for the prophets. Didn't work out too, for, too good for Jesus himself. If you serve God, you're going to have hard times. You're going to have struggles. Christians get cancer. Christians lose their mates. Christians have trouble with their kids. Christians go through all the same things anyone else does. We have hard times. We're struggling. But we've got to realize it's not our power, but it's in the strength and the power of Jehovah that we'll make it. That it is through Him. It is Him who lifts us up. It is Him who props us up. He will be with us. He will walk with us. And in that scripture, He says, I will be with you every step of the way. In the darkest times of my life, God's been there for me every single time. And He will be there with you as well. You say, well, when I failed in the past, and I've done it so many times, I don't have the courage to move forward. God says, I'm Jehovah. I could overcome every mistake and every failure you've ever made in the past. Think about that. God loves to take broken people. He loves to take nobodies. He loves to take people who, people who others may have counted out. And he says, don't worry about the mistakes of your past. I'm Jehovah. I can overcome those things. I can make you something you could never be on your own. And when we trust in Jehovah and we call upon his name, we say, God, make me something I've never been before. Take away my mistakes. Take away the failures of my life. And that begs the question, how big is your God? How big is your God? How big is your God in your marriage? How big is your God in your family? How big is your God at your workplace? You know, the thing about us in America is we, most of us have too big of a view of ourselves. And we have a small view of God. When you read the Bible, you understand who, who God is. You must realize that God is Jehovah. He's the one who's big. We're the ones who are small. We don't tell God. God tells us. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it in God's strength. And many of us take our problems and we take them to God and we say, look, look how big our problems is, God. My husband won't do this. My wife won't do this. My kids won't do this. God, look how big it is. It's troubling. I can't overcome it. There's no way I could ever do anything about it. Rather, we should take our God to our problems and say, look how big my God is. Look how big my God is. When I was younger, believe it or not, I was afraid of the dark. I hate to admit that, but I am. Or I was. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe that's why when I hear a noise in the house, I wake Aaron up and go, did you hear that? <laughs> Hoping she might jump up and sit at me. No, I'm just teasing. And we lived in a house in Houston, Texas that had a split floor plan. Now that I'm a parent, I realize why you have a split floor plan, right? Kids on one side, parent was on the other. Opposite sides of the house to my parents' room. 
So when I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd be scared. I'd look across that living room. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> be scared to death. Standing at the door, imagining all the booger men that's going to catch me before I get to the door. Like maybe if I run fast enough and jump over that and get there, I can make it before somebody grabs me. I could see somebody by the sliding door. I could see somebody by the front door. And I'd stand there and just imagine all the things. So after minutes of worrying and fretting, working up my courage, I just knew that if I could get into the door of the room where my dad was, I was going to be all right. Because I knew my dad would be able to whip any booger man that would come out <laughs> in between the ride from there to there or the run from there to there. And you know, for us as Christians, you've got to ask yourself, what are you, what are you afraid of? Why won't you try or do what God's called you to do? Why are you worried? Why are you stressed out? Why are you so concerned you can't sleep at night? Why are you so concerned about your marriage if it's going to make it or your children, your finances? How big is your God? Do you know Jehovah? Do you know the God who's the great I am? Do you know Jehovah who shut the mouths of the lions and the Daniel and the lion's den? Do you know Jehovah who split the Red Sea and parted it and they walked across on dry ground? Do you know Jehovah who was with Joshua who crossed over the Jordan River? Do you know Jehovah who was with David as he faced Goliath and slung the, uh, slung the rock and took down the giant? Do you know Jehovah who overcomes Satan in the greatest scheme of all times when he rose from the grave and he, and, he, and he redeemed all of mankind? Do you know the Jehovah who says, I'm the great I am. We have nothing to fear. I am with you. I am able. I need no propping up. I'm self-existent. I can overcome anything that comes in my way and anything that's in your life. When we trust him, he is the Jehovah God. I think in my life, many times, it gets to where I'm so big and God is so small. But when we come to the name of Jehovah, God is really big and we need to be really small. How big is your God? How big is your God this week when you go to work tomorrow? How big is your God this week when you go work on your marriage how big is your God when you fulfill your calling that God is tugging on your heart to be a part of sharing Christ with somebody? How big is your God when you're concerned about your children and praying for them in the direction of their life? How big is your God when it comes to your finances and you're worried about things in your life? How big is your God? We serve the great I am. He is Jehovah. He is able and he is the great I am and he will do what he says he will do in our lives. Let's pray together this morning.